0: Last year in the legislative session, we helped protect hundreds of millions of tax dollars for public education. We stopped the passage of don't say gay in Georgia. We are obviously as a state heavily influenced by by our neighboring state of Florida to the south of us. We're seeing the painful reminder of that in the College Board's decision yesterday to strip references of intersectionality and Black queer studies and Black feminist thought from, from AP curriculum.
1: Myla Williams and Harrison Tran of the Georgia Youth Justice Coalition. Melody is the executive director, bringing a lot of experience in Georgia politics and beyond to the job, and Myla and Harrison are among the many young people who play key roles. The Georgia Youth Justice Coalition is built with young people in the 14 to 22 age range who are fighting for education, justice, and more from the classroom to the Georgia capitol. I asked these three activists about the aims of their coalition and how they came to their roles in the organization. GYJC is a good example of how to build a focused and innovative state-based progressive organization, and Melody, Mila, and Harrison are well worth your listen. So, after a quick word from my sponsor, my interview with Melody, Mila, and Harrison of the Georgia Youth Justice Coalition. So I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourselves and give me a quick biography. I'm going to start with Melody, since she's the executive director, and then move to Myla and then Harrison in that order, if you would.
0: My name is Melody Oliphant. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the executive director of Georgia Youth Justice Coalition. And I grew up in the white flight suburbs of Atlanta with parents who moved here in the late 80s from Kansas City and New Jersey and got really involved in high school and college and community organizing, but never really saw a path to doing that work full time. And so after college, I worked in computational genetics, studying neurodevelopmental disease in New York and New Haven, and got very involved in the 2016 election when I was living in New Haven for Hillary Clinton's campaign. And so when she lost... I really just felt like as a as a white woman from the South, you know, I felt like an obligation to put myself more on the line and doing this work. And so I had a lot of conversations with folks about the most intentional way that I could make that entrance into politics full time. And a lot of folks said, be an organizer. It's the best foundation that you can get. And so that is what I did. I went to Virginia in 2017, was a field organizer for the coordinated campaign, and then returned home. To Georgia after that campaign, worked for Stacey Abrams for Fair Fight, managed a a couple state house races, and then went to work at Way to Win, which is a progressive donor network in the second half of last year, coming back to work for Stacey Abrams and then work for the Democratic Party of Georgia in the runoff election. But I am really excited to now be doing this work with Georgia Youth Justice Coalition, because I think it is so much of what Georgia needs in terms of Running a truly multiracial organization that really focuses on building collective power at the grassroots level and really capitalizing on off-year opportunities that we have before us this year in 2023.
1: Milo, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: My name is Milo Williams. I am the Chief of Staff at Georgia Youth Justice Coalition. I attend Georgia State University studying political science with a pre-law concentration. I'm currently a second year junior, so I'm beginning to study for the LSAT for me to go to law school. I was born and raised in Atlanta. I was a state capitol page from the time I was in sixth grade up until COVID. So I've always kind of been around the capitol, seeing how different systems work. Then I eventually came to Georgia State as a full-time student because I was in dual enrollment. And once I came to Georgia State, I decided to go for a legislative internship, and I ended up receiving it. And I worked as a legislative intern for the last legislative session. And I went to a lot of the different education committee hearings. And I saw GYJC people there. And a lot of them also went to Georgia State. So I ended up meeting them. And that is it.
1: It's never all, but (laughs) it's a good start. Harrison, would you mind introducing yourself?
3: Hi, I'm Harrison Tran. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a sophomore at Jenkins High School in Savannah, Georgia. I became involved in political activism and organizing just last year in around March. I went to the Capitol with some members of the uh, Deep Center's Action Research Team. They're a local nonprofit that works with youth in Savannah um, in creating an equitable and just city where I was denied my right to speak at and testify at a committee hearing and that really just launched my organizing my my ability to meet people like melody and Mila, and i became involved with uh, the georgia youth justice coalition in around early august
1: well thank you for that all of you if you don't mind i'm going to ask melody a bunch of more questions about her biography and then we'll come back to the other two of you because melody has this path through georgia politics that i think A lot of people are very curious about and it's so interesting that you came out of computational genetics which is you know the standard path into politics (laughs) (laughs) that's a pretty interesting field what was it that was pulling you out of something it's very stem very useful in its own way moving science and i assume medicine forward perhaps, what pulled you out of that world and into politics?
0: Perhaps it, it sounds a little melodramatic, um, but a lot of the way that I, I saw my work in science was ultimately about how, how I, as one person, could do the most structural good in like alleviating suffering. The more easygoing way to talk about the transition from science to politics is throughout both of those roles. I just spend a lot of time looking at spreadsheets. I think, in all sincerity, like when I was a, a college student, activism became such a such a huge piece of my life as an undergrad, and it really is true. And I was I was having this conversation with another student leader in Georgia Youth Justice Coalition, Julian, the other day, just about the the ways that people's paths are shaped um, after school in terms of what kinds of careers they think are possible for them. I as a student, didn't I didn't know anyone who did that work full time, right? I of course had friends and classmates who were really involved, and and in fact, one of my classmates, Evan Weber, went on to to found Sunrise. You know, was really surrounded by that kind of activism, but I didn't see the path before me, and so I think that's a lot of what Georgia Youth Justice Coalition is is working to do is to to help young people and to help students like see a path into politics for them, but also to be there as a way for people to to come in and out of this work. And I think for me, that was sort of how I envisioned myself, right? That I was working in in labs and working in research, but that I was always invested in community organizing as just sort of what felt like a civic duty to me, right? Like it was always sort of this passion of mine and something that I spent a lot of my free time doing. I was a high school student when Barack Obama first became president. Certainly growing up in the South made me deeply aware of the the legacy of white supremacy in our communities and things like that. But I, I sort of felt like we were on a nonlinear path to progress. When Trump got elected in 2016, after an election that I had had poured so much of my time and energy into, I really just felt like Even my work in science was at that time when Trump was first elected, the science community too felt like a lot of our work was in jeopardy because of conversations around funding and just an overtly anti-science narrative and things like that. So,
1: okay. So how do you land as call time manager for Stacey Abrams? Because I'm asking that because like, she is such the focus of political change in Georgia. How do you end up in that role? Because you get to know someone with call time.
0: You you definitely do on that front. I will say you know something that many people don't know is that Stacey Abrams is a deeply introverted person, which doesn't always come across.
1: I'm glad to hear that because I am too, and I appreciate people who who have that makeup.
0: Yeah, I moved back to my home state and really lobbied my own campaign to get on Stacey's campaign, and so it came in as a finance assistant before the primary was promoted to call time manager. And so a lot of it was ultimately about, you know, the the people I knew who could put in a good word for me and things like that.
1: And what did you learn about her from doing that?
0: I think what I most learned is just her kindness, her her quick wit, how brilliant she is. I can remember one of the first times that we worked together and I was so nervous, right? This is five, six years ago now. And so she she didn't have the kind of, Presence that she obviously has now, but I was, I was visibly nervous. Um, And she again is a very introverted person. And we were sitting on this couch about to record a video for a house party program, and she finally just reached over and gave me a huge hug. And she was like, "I need you to be less nervous." (laughs) (laughs) And and, you know, and it it made me laugh and just like broke the ice. And she is just somebody who really deeply cares about people in an intimate way.
1: Myla, does Daisy? Being a lawyer and having this presence, did that have anything to do with your choices on the path that you're on?
2: I'm going to say no, but that sounds bad. But what I will say is um, when I was at the Capitol as a legislative intern, I saw Stacey Abrams a couple of times. And honestly, it was so inspiring, just me also being a Black woman, me also wearing my natural hair, me also going into the legal field, so on and so forth, to actually see someone of her prestige who resembles me honestly motivates me to keep going and keep pushing. So I will say that in a way she has influenced me to continue on to become a lawyer, but also she's making me look at politics and possibly getting involved in that when I get older as well.
1: Yeah. Role models are important. Harrison, what's your take on the almost governor of the state of Georgia?
3: For many people, she serves as a role model, but me specifically, seeing the work that she's done in in trying to make change in our communities that are so typically underrepresented is moving to me because I understand that there's a place in politics where I can be, where I will be heard.
1: That's well said. Melody, you have a bunch of different Georgia jobs that you've mentioned, Fair Fight Action and One Georgia and Democratic Party of Georgia before this one. Can you kind of summarize what's going on in Georgia that maybe people don't know? What have you seen there that isn't in the press that maybe people would be surprised by?
0: What I will say is that that we have a really deep bench and we have a lot of deep opportunity, and that there are a lot of change makers here in Georgia, right? Like Stacey Abrams, there are so many of us who are so personally and and professionally grateful for her like decades of service to our state and not anything that she has created of her own doing right but she represents this like this culture of celebrity that we have in politics right as well and and i think it's something that we all here in georgia know that we can't survive on that that's something that here at georgia U justice coalition that we are really committed to this notion of collective power and really committed to this notion that it's not one dynamic student who's out in front and that that's why it was so important to us that we we have a few of us you know in in conversation today to to show sort of like
1: I I noticed on your website that you're very democratic with a small d about like listing out and showing so many people and I think it's a lot of why in this podcast I tend to rarely interview elected officials or candidates every once in a while when it makes sense but because I think that it's also operatives and activists and staffers and people running parts of the party thinkers and academics and reporters and so on that are all part of this. So maybe I should ask you like what is the founding story for Georgia Youth Coalition did it exist before you joined it? I don't really know how it came to be.
0: So I would love for for Mila and Harrison to talk about Georgia Youth Justice Coalition from my perception it really was a collective of students coming together to to take action in order to build their own power and to to advocate for students across the state. But I'd love for Myla and Harrison to talk about, you know, their experience coming into Georgia Youth Justice Coalition, and then also, you know, the work that they see ahead of them in 2023.
1: Well, now you've usurped my role as question asker, <laughs> <laughs> but I forgive you because I think it makes sense. So. Harrison, why don't you take the first swing at that and then we'll get Mila.
3: So, yeah, um, the Georgia Youth Justice Coalition for me is, you know, like Melody said, a, a show of collective power of organizing, because rarely do we see young people in a space where they lead, where they organize, where they learn together. Because often we see, you know, these big parties like the Democratic Party, where you have older politicians as opposed to younger people who may not have that experience. So for me, the Georgia Youth Justice Coalition offers that space to learn from one another.
1: Myla?
2: Yeah, so I guess just piggybacking off of what everyone else said, collectivism, I think, is something that we thrive off of. One thing about GYJC that I found interesting before I joined it was the diversity when it comes to the people who are involved. In our organization, we have people who are from different backgrounds, have different upbringings, different stories, different races, different genders, everything that you can possibly think of. For me, I appreciate that because a lot of times with groups, you typically only see one type of individual. But what we do is take our differences and come together as one and make those differences our strengths, which is why I feel like we're able to go to the Capitol and talk about different bills that are being passed because we have so many different perspectives to thrive off of. And I also appreciate like our grassroots aspect. So there are so many people, it may be your first year being working in organizing work. I'm two years in now with GYJC. And I can honestly say that having people who have done it for one year, two years, three years, one week, one month helps in like the development of people who are 16. So like I'm 20. And there are some people who are 21 and 22, but I think that us being able to connect with people who are younger than us and teaching them how to even be able to go up to their principal or their counselor and go to their school board meetings is something that I feel like strengthens our organization.
1: Myla, if you are going to sort of sell a fellow student on participating in this, how would you describe, beyond what's already been said, what is the mission of this organization and what exactly does a member do?
2: Our mission is to give members of the youth a voice. So from my personal experience and experiences of others, especially if you're 14, 15, 16 and you're in school, typically if you go to an adult and you give your honest feedback on something or you ask a question, typically you're turned away or you're told that, well, this it is how it is is because it's how it is. GYJC gives you a platform as well as the tools for you to be able to articulate your thoughts to people who can actually evoke change in your community. I'll use the Capitol for an example. So in our organization, we do not just send 16-year-olds to the Capitol and say, go to a committee meeting and that's it. In this program, you have the opportunity to learn about professionalism, how to be on podcasts, how to deal with media outlets and so on and so forth. And those are skills that the average student in public schools or in schools in general do not receive. But by the time you get to college, or by the time you emerge into the the real world, it's expected of you to learn those things. And so what GYJC does is kind of give you those tools for you to be able to be successful beyond like academic enrichment.
1: Harrison, do you think that jibes with your view of the organization, or what do you think it's there for?
3: I really do agree with what Mila said. Personally, I'm still in high school. I'm 15. I'm a sophomore. I've had experiences where teachers wouldn't necessarily take feedback, and I think Georgia Justice Coalition serves as an opportunity to use your voice, learn, you know, how to do certain things, how to talk to your legislator, how to talk to you know regular people who who might be experiencing some of the same issues, and then effecting change where they see fit.
0: And just to talk a little bit about the origin story of Georgia Youth Justice Coalition and sort of where we see ourselves as focused, obviously education is at the core. So much of what Myla and Harrison have talked about is is the way that legislators or school board members, right, when they are weighing educational priorities, that they often leave out the voices of the people most impacted by conversations around school funding and curriculum and safety policies, and those are students right? And so a lot of how Georgia Youth Justice Coalition came into existence was ultimately advocating around the redistricting process and the way that state legislators in Georgia were ultimately cracking and packing districts all over the state, especially in Athens, but also in Atlanta um, and things like that, and, and the ways in which that disenfranchised students and silenced their voices in, in a state government that ultimately you know doesn't really represent our 50-50 state. And so a lot of the ways in which we do that work, right, like Mila and Harrison have talked about, right, which is training students and empowering them with the, the skills and the tools that they need to to advocate for themselves in their own communities, on their campuses, and at the Capitol and at the ballot box.
1: So how do you end up as executive director? What was it before you came in, if it was something, and how did you get this role?
0: When I was working on, on, on house races in 2020, I came to know a lot of the the students and, and young people who are ultimately now involved with Georgia Youth Justice Coalition. And they were really passionate about those down ballot races. And obviously in a state like Georgia where we 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 have a ways to go in our infrastructure, there were lots of opportunities for high school and college students to to really play an instrumental role in those campaigns. I kept in conversation with a lot of those students over the years and and last year when I was working at Way to Win, um, you know, really came to to advise those students on how to formalize a five hundred one c four. Obviously, in our state, Brian Kemp has has leveraged his power as governor to have the ethics office investigate people he perceives as political opponents, organizations like Mehente and GLAR, organizations like Asian American Advocacy Fund, New Georgia Project, right? And so I was really concerned about making sure that they had the infrastructure that they needed to protect themselves in that climate. And so was sort of an informal advisor. And then something that is very important to me is just transparent hiring processes in in this work. I know my own experience has been shaped so much by the the connections I have, but really wanting to to dismantle that system. And so they put out a call to hire an executive director at the end of last year and ultimately interviewed with our organizing board, which is a, a collective of of team leads and student leaders within Georgia Youth Justice Coalition and, and was lucky enough to, to be offered the job. And so I was excited to say yes and you know, have really enjoyed every minute of working with these students.
1: Myla, how is this organization funded?
2: <laughs> that <laughs> almost sounds like a, a, a trick question, <laughs> but um, through donors.
1: And you know, like whose job is it to get donors to give money? and melody how's that going
0: for any person of means who is listening to this conversation there is always room to grow Um, so we would love to be in conversation with folks who are interested in investing in our work but we are lucky to be funded by both like institutional funders and individual donors especially folks here in georgia
1: is way to win one of them
0: Way to win is is one of uh those those institutional funders that has invested in Georgia Youth Justice Coalition. I mean,
1: is it you have this constellation of organizations, many of whom you've worked for, do they share donors with each other? Is there a, a jealousy around that? Or how does that work?
0: You know, that is such an interesting question. Thank um,
1: you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really credit Way to way to Win with with shaping a lot of my thinking about fundraising and really coming to see that work as donor organizing, right? I think so many folks who you've been in conversation with on this podcast have talked about that everything in this work is ultimately organizing, right? It's all about building relationships and then making hard asks of those relationships and things like that. But I think Way to Win has a really intentional way of doing that work that really helped me to see just how many people behind the scenes shape an individual's decision to invest, right? That I, I, having served as the call time manager on Stacey's campaign, saw a lot of these contributions come in and would see the source codes and would think, oh, this person gave through a Facebook ad, right? And then having been at way to win really shaped my thinking about just how many people are advocating behind the scenes in order to, to move resources to the work that, that really matters in advancing progress.
1: Harrison, what does this make you think about a career for you? You're so young to be politically involved, to have a title with a youth organization. What do you think is in your future? Are you going to be executive director of something like this?
3: You never know. In the back of my mind, it's always, I want to be a politician. I want to run for office. But I think right now it's being a journalist, being a student journalist, hearing the stories of people from around uh, the state, from around the world, really, just hearing about their issues, about how we can affect legislation.
1: If, if there was one thing that you wish the Georgia Youth Justice Coalition would do, would make happen in the state of Georgia, what would that be?
3: Education justice.
1: <laughs> and what would that constitute? What, what is unjust right now?
3: You know, when we look at how our schools are funded, we're working off of, a, I believe, a 1985 a funding formula. You know, that's what, 30 years, you know, of, you know, we're in, we're in the 21st century now. That funding formula really isn't working for our students.
1: It seems quite recent to me. I was a <laughs> freshman in college.
3: Uh, yeah, but, you know, when we also look at, you know, things such as school safety, when we look at some of the, the legislation that has come out of the General Assembly regarding students and how I believe constitutional carry, how they've funded more school resource officers, more metal detectors, which we know is not an effective policy that works on students and extremely harms students of color.
1: Well, I can't leave that dangling. How does it harm students of color?
3: You know, when we look at it, they typically target students of color on a higher level than, as opposed to white students.
1: Okay. Mila, it seems like, I mean, you have a future a little more planned out than than Harrison, but what have you done through Georgia Youth Justice Coalition that you think we ought to know about?
2: I think what I'm most proud of in my role at GYJC, honestly, is assisting with making sure that people are getting paid. And the reason why I bring that to the forefront of the conversation is because we're an organization that says that we want to empower youth activism, and we actually provide the resources to make that happen. So one thing that I noticed a lot is that a lot of organizations always want youth. Everyone wants young people, but a lot of people do not feel that young people should be getting paid.
1: How much does Mr. Harrison over here get paid for what he does, does he?
2: Is it 17?
1: I might be 15 an hour. That's pretty good for a 15 year old activist. And I have to say, like, he doesn't speak like a 15 year old activist to me. I put him, you know, well into his 20s.
2: Yeah. And so, <laughs> in situations like his, or even if you're 16, 17, 18, from my personal experience, I was a kid who needed to work. And if I have to choose between me clocking in at McDonald's or me being able to go to the Capitol and I have to go to the Capitol for free with no compensation, I'm going to choose for me to work so that way I can pay for my senior dues. And so being in a position where you can actually help people get paid and not have to make the decision between can I do my passion work or do I have to go and get a traditional job where they don't care about my school schedule is like the proudest moment for me personally because I've been situation
1: before. I think it's a great answer. I wasn't sure when you started, like chief of staff getting people paid, but it makes a lot of sense, right? It It is transformative. It sounds like for people to have that opportunity. And I, I'm kind of, kind of wowed that you're able to do that. I mean, that sounds like both, you know, having people who, who finding people who want to do it, connecting them with, you know, finding people who can find the funds to do it. That's the whole puzzle, I, I guess. Is, the, is it hard, Melody?
0: I'll I'll take that question in a specific direction, which is to say, to borrow a phrase from Molly Fleming, we should do hard things. Hard things are hard, but we should do them, right? And I think for us, what is hard, not hard, but, but requires intentional and deliberate work and, and doesn't always show up in, in progressive and democratic spaces are the resources to go out and find folks who are not already seeking us out, right? And exactly what Myla is talking about, that so often when you look at young people who have the capacity to sort of like raise their voices in the political space, it over-indexes students who are, you know, of means, right? Come from affluent backgrounds, come from, um, you know, like, private education, things like that. And so one thing that that we want to be really intentional about in our work at GYJC is is seeking out students who who might not seek us out. Right. And and I saw so much of that so much of that need on the campaign last year at our events and and we were we were doing everything we could to to get you know folks out there who weren't already activated and who weren't already tuned into politics running radio ads like Making recruitment calls, doing sort of all of the best practices, but ultimately, you know, we would we would be at events, and and Stacey Abrams would would ask folks how many folks had early voted, and all of the hands would go up, right? And it became clear that the people we were talking to were not the people that we needed to reach, and so that to me is is so much of the importance of this work.
1: You mentioned Melody that there's a pattern of the governors organs in the state going after progressive organizations. Has anything like that happened to this organization at this point?
0: I will say that the the governor has not intentionally and deliberately come after Georgia Youth Justice Coalition, but what has happened is, you know, last year student organizers within GYJC spent a lot of time focused on on reversing book bans in Georgia and were able to reverse nearly every single book ban in the state. Nice. Thank you.
1: It's incredible. It's It feels like a 18th century thing going around. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And in our state, all of those book bans came from from one county, Forsyth County, which is the most affluent county in the state, and it's a county with a real history of, of deep white supremacy. What has happened, you know, with, with Georgia Youth Justice Coalition is as students have lifted their voices at school board meetings and in the Capitol, is that our students have received death threats right our students have been harassed by parents by community members to the point that that we have had to take that really seriously and and that that has become one of the the areas that i am really interested to tackle in making sure that we have the right systems and and operations set up to to protect students and make students feel safe even as they are advocating for themselves
1: is there a Republican counterpart to this organization? Is there a conservative youth that wouldn't probably call themselves Injustice Coalition, but like, is there something on the other side that young conservative kids go to or young people?
2: Not to my knowledge. (laughs)
1: No. (laughs) No.
2: Not yet, I'll say, but not to my knowledge, no.
1: Why is it necessary to have so many different organizations that target different groups of people in the state. There's Asian organizations and African-American organizations and youth organizations and senior organizations and environmental organizations, and you just could keep going. Does it make sense the way we have set this up in Georgia and elsewhere?
0: What is evident in that is that people at the end of the day are really seeking community, right? Like they are seeking a political home. They are seeking a place to build community. And I hear that so much from students within GYJC. I ask students all the time um, when we meet, what got you involved in GYJC and what would you say your peers really care about? And not speaking in the language of policy, right? And saying things like affordable housing, but really just tell me what it is that, that you and your friends talk about. And a lot of students talk about like, especially on, on large college campuses, like really wanting to find community, right. And wanting to have that, that group of folks with like shared values that they can even just socialize with, right. And like build relationships with. And so I think that's where a lot of, a lot of the different groups come from, right. Is, is what community in your life feels like the most powerful force. I think what is ultimately really inspiring about Georgia Youth Justice Coalition is is exactly what Myla shared earlier, right? And just how diverse it is and and really how multiracial this work is. And I think for a state like Georgia and for a city like Atlanta, when folks talk about things being multiracial, it often means black and white, right? But we are a state that has a massive population of Asian Americans and Latinos that is growing at an incredibly rapid rate, right? And we are home to Gwinnett County, one of the most diverse counties, certainly in the South, but arguably in the country. You know, that is something that is really important to us is ultimately having a, a community where people all have something in common, right? And can, can connect with each other by being young Georgians and being students, but also integrates like layers of difference that ultimately make us all better organizers, better people, you know, better Georgians.
1: There are some folks who's concern is about the polarization that has gotten worse and worse in this country over the last while. And they might find some concern about progressives all hanging out together and kind of being in opposition to the other side. Do you guys make any efforts to reach across to the people who don't necessarily hold or haven't thought much about where they land on the political spectrum, or do you mostly focus on working with your own political sort?
0: So I'll, I'll share first, and then Mila and Harrison should definitely check me if they disagree. I think what's been really interesting in talking with students within Georgia Youth Justice Coalition is that Many times when when students learn about Georgia Youth Justice Coalition or get involved, it is not that they are seeking out an overtly partisan community, right? They are really seeking out a values-aligned community and often in many ways like resistant to the labels of of Democrat or Progressive or might identify with a few of those labels, right? And not not see that kind of element of, of their identity as, as important. I think about this a lot with the county party structure. For folks who live in in rural counties and things like that, I think seeking out a county democratic party can be about that same thing, right? It's seeking that values alignment, but with an identity that maybe feels more natural at a later point in your life. Whereas I think for for so many young people and young Georgians, the common bond is, is much more values driven just on its face rather than standing behind a a label of one sort or another.
1: What do you guys think? Uh, Mila?
2: Everything that Melody said is absolutely correct. To your question specifically, last summer, Alex Ames and I, who's the community coordinator in GYJC, went to the shift convening, which is where basically people from different organizations who do work that's similar to ours all come together for a weekend and network and so on and so forth. And the entire point of that convening was to talk about reaching out and building relationships or being willing to build relationships with other organizations who may not have the same beliefs as ours and making our space welcoming to people who do not share the same values, or even if we can just inform people of why we feel how we feel, but being open to actually having those uncomfortable conversations. And so the entire theme that weekend was get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then ironically enough, always look to wonder, which means if someone says something that you disagree with, or if if someone values something that you may not, look to wonder and don't look at them and discuss. And so we kind of took those values this summer from that convening and included that in like our curriculum. And as we vetted new people, new hires and stuff, we kind of told them, hey, Everyone is not going to have the same values as you. I'm sure that some of us may not have the same values when it comes to everything, but it's important to be able to be in a space with those who do not have the same values as you and still be able to articulate your point. I'm
1: really happy to hear that because one of the the knocks and often an unfair knock, but the knocks on young progressives is that they are inflexible and not open to other opinions and they will cancel you or whatever if you stray from the party line. And I'm glad to hear that that is true because there's a lot of kinds of diversity, including diversity of thought. And it's not clear that any of us is for sure right about everything. Harrison, what's your take on this question?
3: Being a part of JYJC, you know, like, I, like Myla and Melody said, we're not all going to have, you know, the same ideas or ways to approach a certain... Issue, but I think being a part of a community that is understanding and comfortable with being uncomfortable is the way to, you know, progress in understanding some of the many issues that we have in our communities.
1: When you have an organization that's trying to hear the voices of a large number of participants, members, what do you call people? it's sometimes hard to figure out a decision-making structure. How do you decide what to do uh, if there are you know, various voices saying various things? What's your answer to that?
0: So I, I, that's, that's something that we are actually um, really focusing on this year. And, and a lot of my work is ultimately like around that sort of organizational development, right? Like really coming to consensus on, on what is our theory of change, what are the the strategic priorities that we've identified to pursue because i think so much of the, this work up until this point has been shaped by by students who are really rapidly responding to to urgent threats quite honestly like in our communities right especially that we saw last year through the legislative session but but also that we saw through the election last year urgent threats like reelecting governor kemp which unfortunately is is a battle that we lost right but urgent threats like Herschel Walker becoming our United States Senator. That is a space where, where we are really excited to dig in. We really do believe in this this collective power and believe in the expertise of the, the students within GYJC, right? And so when it comes to things like our legislative priorities, we have a legislative team that really sets out in, in a deliberate way to, to come up with those priorities, and but also to invite feedback from within the organization and really throughout. That's one example of of how GYJC functions. We also have different bodies of work, student power hub, our campus mobilization teams, and our narrative work that sort of cuts across all of that. But it is really, really intentional about setting communication expectations to give people an opportunity to weigh in on shaping the work. And I think ultimately what a lot of this year is about for us as we're continuing to move forward on like a lot of that urgent work is also taking time to sort of like step back and and do that organizational development work as
1: well. Often when donors or other partners look at an organization like this, they will ask you about impact. Like how do you know that what you're doing is having impact? What kind of impact? How do you measure this? When you get those kind of questions, what are the answers?
0: The answers are, are really easy on that front. We've talked about the work to reverse book bans in our state, which matters a great deal, not just for, for the students living in that county, but ultimately for the the narrative ecosystem in our state, given the history of that county. Last year in the legislative session, we helped protect hundreds of millions of tax dollars for public education. We stopped the passage of Don't Say Gay in Georgia. We are obviously, as a state, heavily influenced by, by our neighboring state of Florida to the south of us. We're seeing the painful reminder of that in the College Board's decision yesterday to strip references of intersectionality and Black queer studies and Black feminist thought from, from AP curriculum. Georgia Youth Justice Coalition last year, we also, we secured on-campus early voting sites. And here in Georgia, we have three weeks of early in-person voting. Being able to provide students that opportunity to vote early in-person on their campuses is really transformative. The last piece I'll say, because the wins are just they stack up at GYJC. GYJC really led the largest youth-led voter organizing effort in the state last year. And I can say that with confidence, both as an outside observer, as Georgia Youth Justice Coalition's work on the campaign side. And I think a lot of that power ultimately comes from the fact that it that it is student leaders like driving this work, right? It's not older folks trying to sort of inspire student activism. It's really student-led. And I think a lot of times folks come to me, you know, to our conversation earlier about funding. I am certainly not the only person within Georgia Youth Justice Coalition who, who talks to funders. And I think sometimes people think that there is certain work that is off limits for students or that students aren't capable of doing. Right. But even before I entered the equation, right, they've been running a payroll, filing their paperwork with the IRS, getting grants from organizations building organizing programs, doing all of this work all on their own.
1: Very inspiring. I would like each of you to to come up with a question that I should have asked you and then answer it.
0: I can go first on this. I guess the question that, that I wish we would have talked about is what our work looks like beyond some of the organizational develop, development work that we talked about in 2023. And I'll take a quick step back, which is to say, I saw such a missed opportunity in our state in 2021 when the American Rescue Plan pa- passed and we we weren't out there talking with voters in a large scale way about how it was their decision to vote in the runoff that, that brought this money ultimately to the country and that brought this money to Georgia and really saying to them, you made this happen, right? Like your voting did bring something meaningful back to our communities. And I think had we been able to do that at large scale, it really would have influenced the conversation around Brian Kemp during the campaign last year, right? Where a lot of how our media ecosystem here in Georgia talked about, you know, talked about that passage was about Brian Kemp's budget surplus, right? But ultimately, that conversation should have been a conversation about how Brian Kemp has not distributed funds secured by the American Rescue Plan with Senator Warnock and Senator Assoff, right? And so, The work in 2023 for us is building this program called Student Power Hub that really seeks to go even further at bringing in more students into GYJC and more students into this process of advocating for themselves to expand on a premier summer program that we do called Education Justice University to get involved in the over a thousand local elections that we have on the ballot this year here in Georgia and ultimately to run an even stronger change makers boot camp at the end of the year that can prepare students to be legislative advocates at the Capitol next year, but also to potentially like go on to campaigns or go on to work in roles with movement organizations and things like that.
1: Before they ask and answer their own questions, are there similar organizations in other states that you're modeled on or are copying you?
0: I learned a lot when I was at way to win um, you know, about what other states' state-level infrastructure looks like. And so I wouldn't say that there are organizations in other states that we are modeled after because GYJC is such a homegrown student-led effort. But I personally have been really inspired and and do follow the work of incredible youth organizing in other states like Texas with, with MOVE and with Battleground Texas, like North Carolina with North Carolina, Asian Americans together and put Poder- North Carolina. Um, and so there definitely are organizations that, that we are following and, and looking to for inspiration and, and guidance on sort of how we do this work in, in the best way possible.
1: Harrison, do you have a question that you'd like to ask yourself?
3: So I guess you could say like the emphasis on the issues, Funding, school safety, I really wish we had the time to talk about it more because this is so critical to students across the state. This will impact or failing to fund our schools, failing to provide adequate school safety will impact generations and generations on end. And I think, you know, having a space to talk about that, like we do already at the George Users Coalition, I think provides students with the ability to understand what's going on in their school system, but also speak out about it.
1: Myla?
2: I would say that my question would be, what are your personal reasons for getting involved in this work? I know a lot of us talk about like different policies and so on and so forth, but I would say that my personal reasons stem from my background. So I've attended private, public, and charter school. And once I graduated high school, which is where I went to public school, and for middle school, I went to charter school. And for my primary years, I attended private school. And once I graduated high school in my last year, my mom had my baby brother. And for a minute, I understood the differences that I, well, the different experiences that I had in private charter and public school. But I will say that having a younger sibling really placed an emphasis on why it's important for me as, at that time, an 18-year-old to get involved with all things surrounding education, even if I feel as though I'm kind of done with that part of my life. Like, I'm not going to go to kindergarten, fifth grade again. But I will say that having someone so close to me who's going to be experiencing kindergarten and first grade and so on and so forth, it showed me the importance of being involved in those conversations when they're talking about eliminating critical race theory. When I know that I have a young African-American baby brother who's going to need to know about critical race theory as he's growing up in the state of Georgia, My work with GYJC and my work with the education movement in Georgia in general is bigger for me than policies and talking to different politicians or even receiving experience in the field of law. For me, it's about my family and about who I value, who's around me. So I would say that my personal experiences and then my family inspire me to continue to do this work, even though eventually I'm not gonna be in school anymore. But I do see how we really do impact how the future generations will be able to come in and learn in the state of Georgia.
1: Thank you. Um, My 13-year-old is texting me. I have to take her to her dance class. Um, (laughs) So is there anything else any of you would like to say?
0: No. I think you should get to that dance class. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well, you guys are great. I appreciate it. Those were Melody, Myla, and Harrison. They are at georgiayouthjustice.org. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with The Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found. The Great Battlefield is now part of the Democracy Group Podcast Network, Visit democracygroup.org to learn more about other podcasts that cover democracy and civic engagement. You can also help me by leaving comments and good ratings on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere, and by sending me suggestions for great guests to nperlman at gmail.com.